Hello, hello, hello. Happy Monday. New start of a week, new opportunities, new goals to accomplish, uh, new dreams to pursue. Uh, the harvest moon just passed, so uh, there's certainly been a lot of new changes in my life. I don't know if it's because of that, but there was certainly a lot of harvesting. <laughs> and I, I sure hope that there was a lot of harvesting in your life as well. Uh, and maybe, you know, if there wasn't, it, it takes time, you know, and it doesn't always have to follow a moon cycle. It can follow different types of cycles and different types of, of experiences. So, uh, what else? Yeah, well, there's so much chaos in the world, isn't there? Uh, the president uh, getting COVID, uh, the president of the US, of course, uh, getting COVID, uh, chaos and tragedy in Yemen. Um, even here in Costa Rica, which, you know, it has, it's, it's usually peaceful, um, but there's been certainly quite a lot more tension these days, uh, a lot of manifestations, a lot of protests. Um, I don't know if manifestation is a word in English, if what I'm trying to say, maybe it is. Um, eh, who cares? Words are made up anyway. So, um, but you know, uh, to whoever's listening, I'm sending you lots of love, lots of strength, lots of wisdom, you know, wisdom in order to better navigate the, the really hectic and intense currents that the world is going through and that I'm sure are going through your life as well. Um, and that's coincidentally what I'll be talking about the podcast in the podcast today. So the format of this episode will be different than the ones you've listened to so far in that instead of talking with a guest about a particular topic and asking them questions, uh, this shorter episode will consist of me taking a deep dive into a, a specific philosophy. In this case, it'll be Taoism and the yin yang. Uh, but later on, it can maybe sometimes be about an artist, about an idea that really inspires me or a, a mental framework that I'm really passionate about. Uh, or, you know, a, a moment in history that I think is significant. I don't know. It can, this is a, a free-for-all episode uh, when we're not uh, with a guest. So, um, yeah, but with all those, you know, subjects, I'll be trying to ex hopefully accomplishing it because that's why you're listening to this podcast, uh, extracting practical wisdom and mental frameworks that we can apply to our day-to-day -day lives in order to live with less stress and more in tune with the world around us, which is, as you know, the goal of, of this podcast, right? To, to better be here now. So like I said, there won't be a guest this week, um, but stay tuned for next Monday. You won't want to miss next Monday's episode when I'll be having a conversation on the art of writing, criticism, and pursuing your life's passion with the amazing, just, a, a huge mentor of mine, an incredible novelist, uh, Andrew Martin, who wrote one of my favorite novels of all time called Early Work. Um, so go check it out if you have a chance. It's, it's so funny, it's deep, it's wise. It's just a bit of everything and um, perfect for these days of, of general malaise spreading through the air, not just COVID, but you know, emotionally and even spiritually, honestly, at times. So. Uh, go check it out um, in preparation maybe for the conversation next Monday, but uh, yeah, uh, you won't you won't regret it at all. Okay, so that's a little intro for this episode. Now I'm gonna cue the music and yeah, get started with it. Have you been higher than this? There's so many things that are worth dressing for, therefore you've got to hold on to hope and just hope to explode into happiness. I really hope you succeed. Have you higher than this and unpopular 
jazz and then glue to it pop it's an art it's a beautiful way to express your beliefs there's many voices in my head So at one point during this pandemic, I set a quest for myself to be able to play A Summer's Day by Joe Hisayashi, uh, which is the title theme for the marvelous film uh, Spirit Away. I wanted to be able to play it on the piano. Um, and so I started playing it, realized it was way too difficult, and, and kind of like set out in mini side quests, um, learning how to really, you know, I read sheet music, which I didn't really know how to do, strengthening my wrists and fingers, and kind of mastering other slightly less complicated songs, which could put all the theory work that I'd been doing and also the practical work into to reality, into practice. And so one of the songs that I learned to play in preparation for a summer's day was Chopin's Prelude Number no. 4 in E minor, um, whose conflicted and melancholy mel melody uh, in combination with a healthy dose of Alan Watts's timeless wisdom, and I'll be kind of explaining who, who Alan Watts is as they go along, but uh, what well, was. Um, uh, it, those two things kind of reminded me of a helpful mental framework that we can all use uh, to better cope with uh, our suffering that we have inside and life's chaos as we've been seeing these, these past couple of months, if not years. Um, so now uh, I'd like to share that with you uh, in this in this episode. But before that, uh, a, just a brief tangent into a little bit of music theory, which I promise it's relevant for this episode. Uh, but don't worry, it'll be very quick and very painless, I promise. Okay, so in the traditional Western way of composing music, there exist 48 musical scales that musicians uh, can choose from to make music. They form kind of like the DNA code for any song that you hear on the radio or, you know, wherever. Um, so all of those songs are known as major scales, which are typically used for brighter and happier songs. For example, uh, this following song that I'll play right now um, is by Johann Sebastian Bach uh, called uh, The Well-Tempered Clavier. Well, it's a prelude for The Well-Tempered Clavier. Uh, Clavier and it's written in a C major scale, so you'll be able to listen kind of its more happier nature. Okay, so that was, that was Bach in, in a C major scale. Um, and the other, the, the other 36 scales uh, are different variations of minor scales, right? So it's just major and minor, which often convey a much more dour and conflicted tone. So this following song is actually Chopin's prelude in number, prelude in E minor, <laughs> um, the one that I was trying to learn. And it's written in E minor scale, so you'll be able to listen to kind of its like heavy and, and kind of sad uh, nature.
and that was it. Uh, that was a little music theory lesson. Um, so it wasn't too painful, right? Um, yeah, so I, I mentioned in the intro how one of the songs that I had learned to play uh, in order to prepare for a summer's day was Chopin's Prelude Number no. 4, the, one you, the piece you just heard. And to be honest, I was really hesitant in learning how to play that piece uh, simply because of the fact that Chopin wrote it in the E minor scale, which had the, in my mind, capacity to convey much more despair than my heart was willing to handle at the time. Um, all the songs that I learned to play on the piano so far were really buoyant and uh, remaining in the warm sphere of the major scales. And this had actually been a really intentional decision because I thought to myself, like, the world is already going through so much pain. Like, I don't want to, I want to stay clear from, from any kind of sadness that I can, that I bring on to myself, right? So that's what I did for a long time. I skipped any sad songs that came up on my uh, Spotify Discover Weekly playlist. Um, I ignored the, main, the minor scales on the piano, didn't even play them. And chose to focus a lot of my intention on mastering the major scales and songs that, you know, embodied that. And so it wasn't until curiosity and a need for a musical variety had finally kind of overwritten my aversion towards sad music that I began practicing Chopin's Prelude. Um, and so as I started playing the first few measures of the piece, it was it was a very powerful experience uh, for me because. I was actually really enjoying it, uh, that, that experience of, of the melancholy chords and, and the kind of tense uh, melodies. And so I remembered uh, a piece of cosmic wisdom that Alan Watts had shared in a lecture. And for, for those of you who may not be familiar with, with Alan Watts, um, he was a British writer, philosopher, and speaker um, who was one of the first to interpret and popularize Buddhism, Taoism, and Hinduism. For Western audience around, well, he started before this, but he really became popular around the 1960s and the 1970s as the beat generation started forming and the beats are, were kind of like the, prelude, the prelude to, oh, that's a nice word, huh? There we go. Points to me for using prelude in a sentence. Uh, the prelude to the hippies and so on, right? Um, so he was one of the founding fathers uh, of the mindfulness movement that we take for granted in the U.S. today, right? Um, but which at the time the U.S. was very new and not at all integrated in, in society. And yeah, so as I was saying, I was playing Chopin's Prelude uh, and I remembered a piece of, of cosmic wisdom that Alan Watts had shared uh, in a lecture where, we, where he was talking about the true meaning of the yin-yang symbol and how understanding the symbol's meaning could help us have a better understanding on the interdependence between darkness and light in our universe, which behaves in cycles. Um, cycles you can see very clearly, the changing of the seasons, the way galaxies spin, uh, a lot of examples. Um, and so the following excerpt uh, that I'm going to play now comes from that lecture that I just mentioned um, called uh, A Lesson on Awakening, right? So I'll play that and we'll talk about it after. And this idea that the yes and the no, the black and the white, the inside of a class, say we draw a square as representing fundamentally the idea of class. I can't have a square which doesn't have both inside and outside. They go together. And in Buddhism, this going together is called shunya, 
although this is often translated void, it means that the inside of the square cannot exist, is void, without the outside, the subject without the object, the black without the white. And this, of course, is represented in this fundamental Chinese figure of the yang or the positive principle and the yin or the negative principle, like two fishes, constantly circulating, going round and round and round and round in the alternations of life. Now, the question is, are these two fishes involved in a fight? Is the white one eating up the black one and the black one trying to eat up the white one? If that is the situation, then, of course, life is fundamentally nothing but a grim contest. If this one up here is the good fellow and this one is the bad fellow, if this is order and this is chaos, then a fight goes on between them. And that's largely the way in which our technology has interpreted man's situation as against nature. This is man, the white, the good fellow. This is nature, the dark, the bad fellow. And the white one has got to eat him up. But what happens if the white fish succeeds in eating up the dark fish? The white fish disappears as well as the dark one. Because the white one is only there in relation to the dark. So then, if these two fishes, as it were, wake up, if this one wakes up and this one wakes up, which is called awakening in Buddhism, they realize they're one. In other words, they go together. They're inseparable from each other. And this realization is that experience, which is called in Zen, Satori, or in Buddhism, Bodhi, awakening. This sudden dawning on our consciousness that life is not really a contest to make yes triumph over no, to make the positive triumph over the negative. The two sides go together. And then one sees in this strange way that underlying all that is negative in the world, all that is in a way painful and evil, there is a kind of necessity to it. It goes with the good. It is necessary for the good. Disorder is necessary for the manifestation of order, just as you must have, say, a black background to show up a light figure. And then when one sees that, a profound transformation takes place in one's attitude to the world. That is to say, instead of looking upon life as a contest, it becomes a dance, it becomes a game. One doesn't withdraw from it, one doesn't stop living, but one goes into the game so that these revolving fishes are no longer trying to eat each other, but they're just going around dancing, having the biggest fun in the world. So then, I think it's the same with major and minor keys in music. These interweaved tonalities go hand in hand. They can be rearranged and reinterpreted by composers into many different forms, which can create a vast range of prismatic emotions within us. As we all know, a musical piece can be terrifying, beautiful, meek, and joyful all at once. These contrasting sensations go with one another, and there comes great pleasure in listening how this contrast, this dance, right, between light and dark is manifested. The same, I think, applies to our own lives, which are always in flux, cycling from light to dark and from dark to light. Is the old at it at age? At age? I don't know. As the old adage, as the old adage goes, oh my god, that sounds terrible. <clears throat> as the old saying goes, the only constant in life is change.
And thus, when we try to cling to only the positive, we suffer more than we need to, for it is an impossible endeavor. The ice cream always melts. Personally, I found that I've enjoyed the comings and goings of my life much more ever since I started thinking of it as a flowing, all-encompassing musical piece that journeys throughout both dark and light terrain, each with its own particular virtue or lesson. The less I cling to one particular mental state, the more I'm able to truly appreciate the wide spectrum of my life experiences, seeing them unfold almost as if they were a movie, my soul surfing along multicolored universe waves. This ancient perspective on how to better go with the flow of our universe is known as Taoism, and it does not deny or downplay the emergence of pain in our world and in ourselves, but rather it helps us shift our relationship with the experience from conflicted aversion to intentional and conscious acceptance, which is a necessary pre prerequisite for us to eventually let go of the pain. Bringing to mind the dance of the black and white fishes in the yin-yang symbol can help us remember that there exists an interdependent relationship between pain and joy. The yin-yang symbol um, can also help us realize that no matter how deep our suffering may be at any particular moment, there is nothing in this universe that lasts forever. And that, of course, can be a double-edged sword, but more of that in a later episode. There's also the idea that in every in each state, uh, in each fish, in the white or black fish, uh, there is a little dot uh, that has its counterpart in it, uh, which goes to show that even the darkest of nights has a little moonlight in them, right? Uh, even the, the brightest of, of suns has created some shadows. Um, and that's important to, to keep in mind, especially um, when we're going through really tough moments in our lives and we think that it's going to last forever and we think that it's all hopeless, which is our natural reactions, of course, but kind of uh, bringing to mind the yin-yang symbol can help us uh, understand that nothing is truly good or truly bad. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a relationship between those two sides and the better we can dance with them, the better we can flow with them, the more peace we will feel in our lives. Uh, an, an exercise that was recommended to me is calmly repeating the, the mantra or the phrase, this too shall pass. And you can repeat it, saying it silently within your own mind, uh, saying it out loud, um, or even by writing it down, you know, as many times as you need. It can be a very healing experience, a very healing mantra, which can help us find comfort in the certainty that each new moment that passes always carries within a radiant spark of unconditional love and infinite potential. And so now I'd like to wrap up this episode um, by playing a clip from a short clip from Mr. Rogers, also known as Fred Rogers, who was a host of a television show for kids called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood um, that impacted the lives of so many people. And he was a very beautiful and loving and just extraordinary mind and, and man uh, and soul. If you have an opportunity, I highly recommend a documentary uh, on him called Won't You Be My Neighbor, uh, which is just, you'll cry, you'll laugh. It's just really beautiful. <laughs> and so... Um, this clip is actually from the beginning of the documentary, and he's talking about uh, modulation in music and how that can be a very nice way of, of thinking of life changes, right, and how we progress through them and having a guide that 
that can help us better navigate those key changes, right? And so, yeah, thank you for joining me on this uh, new episode, new format of an episode of the Love Today podcast. Uh, I love you all very much. Thank you for listening. Uh, it really means the world. And as always, if you want to leave a review in uh, iTunes, uh, we're on iTunes now. So any, any, any comments, any words really go out uh, a, a very long way. Uh, and, and I would be truly grateful. So, yeah, I think that's, that's it for this week. Um, be well and, yeah, have fun in the astral plane. Come on over a minute. I just had some ideas that I'd been thinking about for quite a while about modulation. It seems to me that there are different themes in life. And one of my main jobs, it seems to me, is to help through the mass media for children, to help children through some of the difficult modulations of life. Because it's easy, for instance, to go from C to F. But there are some modulations that aren't so easy. For instance, to go from F to F sharp, you've got to weave through all sorts of things. And it seems to me if you've got somebody to help you, as you weep. Maybe this is just too philosophical. Maybe I'm trying to, to combine uh, things that, that can't be combined, but it makes sense to me.